Hey, this is Sean Leary again. QC Uncut Part 2 with our conversation with Kill Theodric. Um, we were just talking about uh, comedians that had influenced you, and we cut out when uh, you were talking about Dave Chappelle. Um, what are some of the other ones that have been particularly impactful on you? Um, boom. Yeah, of course, Dave Chappelle, you know, you know, first number one comic for me, very relatable. Um, loved the way he could, uh, make race so funny. And, and, you know, he was a big influence for me, of course, coming up after that, Martin Lawrence, um, because he was able to, as a host, he was able to be consistently funny on stage every single time I saw him. And, you know, he was just like that first guy that brought the energy up and kept it there and made it, you know, made the stage hot for other comedians to come out and perform, mm-hmm. you know, to a crowd that had already been, you know, up in energy because of the, of the host. And, you know, Martin Lawrence being able to be funny, being able to play with the crowd and improvise and, and you know, and be in the moment was always so inspirational to me. So I always took that little piece of Martin Lawrence and kind of put it into my own, mm-hmm. you know, set format. Um, Godfrey was actually from Lincoln, Nebraska. I've always been a big fan of his, his ability to tell stories um, and implement how he grew up and his family um, into his comedy was always very, very funny to me. He was able to do comedy without cussing, which is which is dope. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one of the first comments I saw that, that could be so, so funny and not have to say, you know, cuss word if he doesn't want to. Um, a couple of the comedy guys that I always grew up watching, you got Richard Pryor, you got George Carlin, you got mm-hmm. Bernie Mac, you got uh, Jamie Foxx, uh, you got Steve Harvey, D.L. Hughley, all the original pieces of comedy, of course. Uh-huh. Um, Bill Burr, Bill Burr, I'm a big fan of Bill Burr. He's actually Bill Burr's actually one of my top five favorite comedians of all time. Yeah, um, he's really the funny. The way Hicks is, man, he's hilarious. Bill he, Hicks, he, you know, he said uh, Bill Hicks. Yeah, Bill Hicks is hilarious. Um, he's he's very funny, but Bill Burr is is, is the guy that can. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't care what, what you think no. he's going to say what he's going to say you <laughs> yeah. know and it's your job to laugh at it you uh-huh. know so he and his, his his self-awareness of being able to hold himself in that in that mentality is, is, is great because a lot of people you know you, you want the the crowd reaction to be what you want it to be but you're mm-hmm. not willing to just put yourself out there and you know well, how they react is how they react right so I've always been a big fan of how Bill Burke can control the crowd and be able to stand in his own shit if he if he has to. Uh-huh. Uh, so you know, but those are my guys. You know, Dave Chappelle, Martin Lawrence, uh, Bill Burr, definitely Godfrey, definitely Bernie Mac, of course, another hilarious storyteller. Um, really, all the I grew up, you know, in a black household, so the original pieces of comedy were one of the was one of the first comedy specials that I ever saw. Uh-huh. Um, Chris Rock naturally you know hilarious comedian once again another guy that is hilarious when he talks about race he's very truthful and honest about what's going on in the world and he makes it hilarious you know so no yeah man that was a deal looking looking at some of the highlights of your career um you played. Uh, you first really kind of started getting exposure with the show The Gangstas in 2014, where you played Bishop. Um, what was that like? And it's always interesting being a part of a web series because it has kind of that limited fame where some people know who you are and other people's don't. But you get to experience what it's like to be a part of a production like that. What was that like, and how did that impact you moving forward in regard to you know? Um, 
being a part of something that that that's you know elaborate, that's a show, that's you know putting something together, um, that's a little more than you know stand up. It was fun, and I got to play somebody completely outside of a stand up comedy character. This Bishop was very a very serious, uh, crazed. Uh, type character um, and you know that I, it was fun because I got to work with a lot of people that I do personally mm-hmm. a lot of people that got cast for the show were, were friends of mine that I worked with in Omaha and been on stage with the guy who actually wrote it was uh, a really a great director and great writer out of the New York Film Academy uh, David Terrell Green who's also a phenomenal stand-up comedian but he was a good friend of mine and um, he cast me for the role and I got to play you know this guy with people that I grew up with so it was fun already to be around that type of already family-oriented scene and be able to be on camera and, uh, and really diversify your different you know your different images because you got the, the, the comedic version of me and in this I got to play a very serious you know um scarier character which is fun you know to be able to play play a bad guy now you also won first place in the 2018 u.s comedy contest and um you're part of um dope af productions which is that sketch comedy group out of uh, omaha we were talking a little bit about that uh before we started recording is um sketch comedy and the difference between sketch comedy and um, and stand up comedy. What are some things that you like about sketch, um, and how does that come back and uh, sort of influence or you know spice up your your stand up, um, doing the two different types of comedy? You know, honestly, the the, the two worlds are so separate. You know, because I don't. The sketch comedy you can't really implement that into your stand up at all, and the stand up comedy. You can implement to your sketch comedy, but you don't want to. But you right. want to save it for stand up. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, but sketch comedy is is fun, and a, a lot of the positive things about sketch comedy is you can redo it, you can do it over again, and until so you get it right, and then you put out whatever you get right, and that's what the people see. They don't see the mistakes or the bloopers or the stuff you had to take out and edit out to make it, you know, the polished content that the world sees. Um, so you're able to. With sketch comedy, um, typically you're able to reach more people at one moment um, than you can with stand-up off the bat. And I say it like this. Like, when you're doing sketch comedy, you, know, you get up and you post something in the morning. It's going to go out to however thousands or millions of people that are following you. And you, they get to see you right there and there as soon as you wake up. With stand-up comedy, it's a process. You know, you get up, you go to the stage, and then when you're on stage, you're in that moment. That's when people get to see you, you know, as your funniest. But the, what I love about stand-up is, 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 is purity, you know, because you're in the moment funny. You don't get a redo. You don't get to, you know, say, hold up, let me run this back real quick so I can redo it. You have to be funny in that moment consistently until you're off of the stage. And that is, like, the purest form of comedy. If people get to see you in a raw state and they get to see you in that moment and you're like wow this dude is hilarious for 30 minutes straight right in front of me with no breaks no you know no running it back you know no editing out you know none of that stuff and it's, it's just so it's, so it's so fun to be a stand-up comic and stand-up comic will always be my first love over sketch comedy sketch comedy is is just the way that it's the way of the world right now uh-huh. like everyone's with sketch comedy and it's, it's the perfect way to get your name out there and it's how you get fans in places you've never been it's by doing sketch comedy um you know and then they want to book you for stand-up and that's just kind of going with the way that the world is going right now they're moving toward a more digital 
comedic standpoint right now. So mm-hmm. with the digital era upon us, we everybody has to be able to adjust to that, or you know you'll get washed away in the wave. Right. But stand up is always going to be my you know my first love, and you know so it's, it's always going to be that pure that purest form of comedy. Now you also do uh, some serious acting too. You've got a film coming out called Loving a Younger Man. Tell us a little bit about that. It's, it's a movie that got picked up for um, last year in August. Loving Younger Man is actually based off of a book uh, by a very great African American author named Jackie Wynn. Um, it was the first book that she wrote. It's the first movie that she actually uh, helped produce and direct as well. Um, but in this movie, it's a serious movie. You know, I don't get to play too many comedic. I don't have too much comedic parts in this as well, which is which is dope. I like being a stand-up comedy and David Copperfield movie to play a serious role. It shows diversity. Um, but with this guy, you know, he's a he's, he's a complete douche. <laughs> I, get to, I get to play a he's he's, he's literally the, the bad guy of the movie. Uh-huh. Um, what was it like doing know, that? Again, what's it like to play him? Yeah, what's it like playing a complete, complete douchebag? Uh, it's it was it's fun, you know, because you have fun moments. Like, because there's always moments where when you're the bad guy that are fun, uh-huh. you know. Uh, you know, and there's scenes in a movie where I got to do a lot of fun stuff, and I got to be, you know, the man, or I got to be the guy on campus. But it, everybody knows that the bad guy always, in the end, ends up losing right. one way or another. So through the move, throughout the movie, I'm on this ride of being, you know, successful and being able to do this, do that, and then at the end of the movie, you know, you got to hit that bump. But leading up to that, a lot of fun. But then at the end, you're like, dang. But you, when you watch the movie. And, you know, there's certain parts that I had to do in this movie that I did not like because it portrays a certain type of person that I would never want to be. Uh-huh. You know, so you're watching yourself play this role. You're watching yourself, um, you know, do these things. And you're like, oh, man, I would never do that in real life. That is some rough, that is some horrible stuff. But you get it and you understand and being able to embody that type of role and do it the right way to the to the point where the crowd is either booing you or cheering you, you know, now you know you've done that role correctly. You know, an emotional outlet from the people that are watching it. Now what um what did you base your character on? You know? Um do you know people um, like him or are you like, you know, like, ah oh, yeah, that guy or blah blah blah. Definitely, definitely know people just like him, the uh-huh. character. Um I, uh, I watched a whole bunch of urban gangster movies, if you will, and I ended up basing my character off of a few different people. But the one, the one guy that I really wanted to base him off of, to uh, was a ghost in the, in the TV show Power, James St. Patrick. Yeah, um, he's a, he was a very uh, you know he's a very intelligent, um, cunning criminal. You know, and there was, there was, there's parts of him that make you cheer for him, and there's parts of him that make you want to boo him, and you're like, this, you know, it just it was horrible. But you always, I don't think you ever dislike the character, and that's and that's kind of what I portrayed, you know, my character off of, whose his name is Dante in the movie. But he's a very cunning, very smart character, but he, he just constantly uh, is getting himself in the situations, you know, that aren't aren't, aren't the best thing for anybody. Mm-hmm. So you've got another, you've got a sitcom that you're working on that you were saying you can't say a whole lot about. What can you say about it? <laughs> yeah, I'm funny. I don't want to get you in trouble, I Kill. I don't want to no, get no, in trouble, okay. but I can tell you that I'm funny in it. <laughs> I'm the bad guy. But that's, that's so specific, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm back. I'm back to him. I'm, I'm a comedic character. I'm, I'm playing uh, the boyfriend of the main uh, 
Uh-huh. Um, so I, I'm kind of like a simp, uh-huh. if you will. So I'm, I'm gonna get bossed around, get tossed around a lot. You know, I'm, uh, that's yeah. <laughs> he's a he's a simp. So so uh so so what network is this on? Is this the Netflix one? This is this is another uh, uh, Netflix bit. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. So you like so what's it like working for Netflix? Um, it's it's, it's fun so far. I mean, you getting uh, I'm getting a lot of exposure. I will be getting a lot of exposure on the network. Uh huh. So uh, that's that's super fun. Is the fact that you can you know you can be on a platform that has so many different actors and actresses that you look up to mm-hmm. on the same platform. You know, so that's awesome. And you know, I mean, once you're on Netflix. Like once, typically, if you do good, they'll pick you up for more stuff. Uh-huh. So you're kind of like you, you make a family out of it, and you know you'll. It's kind of like the Marvel characters how you how you get recasted in that. Right. You know, it's the same way with Netflix. They once you do once you get rolling, they typically want to put you on more stuff, and uh, you end up working with some people that you never thought you'd work with. People that you were just watching on TV the other day, you know, you end up being able to work with. So so. What, what, I was going to say, what's that like? Like, you know, um, you're watching these people on TV and they have that kind of distance to them and all of a sudden you're on the set with them. And in some cases you're like, oh, uh, it's part of the script. I know this is going to be horrible, but I needed to kiss this woman or, you know, I needed to do this or do that or whatever. And it's like, you know, completely surreal. What is that? What is that like? Um, You know, I, and it's funny you mentioned that because I did, in the, in the first movie I did, Loving Younger Man, I had like three, three or four sex scenes in there. Which, uh, which is, which are very, very interesting to do, but you know, it's, it's, you know, but when you're on the set and you end up running into these actors or actresses and those moments, you know, you, you realize that, you know, you work with these people, so you don't want to be a fan, right? you know, even if you look up to them and that's fine, but these people are around fans all the time and the last thing they want is someone they're working with to, to fanboy up. Right. You know, so you have to keep it cool. You have to keep it professional. And I haven't, you know, I don't meet a lot of people as far as so far. Like, I've worked with some people and I've met some some big names, but I don't meet a lot of people that, like, wow me like that, you know, because I, I, I want to be on the same playing field with these people. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like if, if you're if you're an, an NBA prospect, right, you're a high school basketball player, you're a phenomenon, but you grew up watching LeBron James. When you get on the court with them, if you're playing against them or you're playing on his team, you can't be a fan of them. You got to work with this guy and, right. and realize you guys are playing on the same exact court, regardless of his superstardom. You're playing on the same exact court. You're, you're playing with the same basketball on the same two hoops. You know, and that's the same you have to be when you're working with really famous people, no matter who you meet. You know, it's cool to have fun with them and it's cool to take pictures and have fun with them. But at the same time, you don't want to stand out. You want to keep it professional. And they appreciate that. You know, they appreciate it a lot more when you can walk up to them and have a regular conversation without seeming like a, a you know, like a like a Jonah Brothers fan or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you gotta just chill. You know, you might be. I'm excited on the inside. I'm jumping up and down, but on the outside, keep it cool. Uh-huh. You know, keep it cool. So on the inside, you're like a Jonas Brothers fan. <laughs> yeah, you know I am, but you know they don't need to know that. No one needs to know that. There you go. <laughs> We're, one of the things we were talking about before we started recording was what it t- and I always find this fascinating is what's a typical day like for you because we were trying to set this interview up and you're like oh man I'm at Netflix and I'm doing this and like yeah. what 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 is it like for you like a typical day I know there's not like you know every day is the same but like l- give people kind of a glimpse into your world and what you're up to. Uh, 
I'll give you I'll give you two different scenarios of like how a day goes, whether if you're filming on set or if I'm not filming on like a a TV set. So for if you're filming on set, it's a dope day because it makes you feel. Once again, I, before I say anything, I'm not famous yet. Let me put that out there, okay? So what I'm gonna say is an experience, and it's an experience that makes you feel super, super famous. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? It puts you on the same. It, it, it's like I know I understand why people enjoy or want to be famous because you get to, you get to experience. It. So I'm getting to a level where people are really getting to know me, but I'm not famous just yet. But I'm experiencing the famous treatment. Right. I'll give it to you this way. So if you're going if you're going on set, right? Um, you wake up at like six o'clock in the morning because you typically gotta be on set at like six forty-five. And the good thing about it is, is like the station, whoever you're working for. So they work for NBC, Netflix, you know, down Hulu. So, but whoever you're working for, they'll send a car to you. Like if you don't drive or if you don't want to drive, they send you have an actual driver that will come and pick you up and wait for you. So I remember like the first day I came out um, when I was doing the show for NBC and like they sent the driver to come and get me. Um, you know, he showed up in a super nice all black supercar. You know, the guy was waiting outside the door. That open the door for me. There's refreshments in the car. That car drives you to a television city, and that's where NBC uh, typically shoots all their TV shows. Mm-hmm. You know, you go through a front gate, um, a spike gate with armed guards, <laughs> and you'll show them your ID and your card uh, to get on base. Now, on base, like I say, Air Force Base, to get on set. Uh-huh. And then from then, you go to a blue tent. They immediately COVID test you to make sure you don't have COVID every day. <laughs> so, which is horrible. Um, that's only a horrible experience that was getting tested constantly. Mm-hmm. And then when you go inside, you go to your dressing room. Um, from then, you'll eat breakfast and you'll put in your lunch order. Mm-hmm. And so you'll put like your lunch order in that way when you come back from set, they typically have lunch waiting for you like right there in your room. Whatever you want to order, your steak, your t- whatever the hell you want to eat, that you'll order it in the morning. That way, when you get off set, it's already waiting for you in the room. But in your dressing room, you eat breakfast and then... Um, your uh, stylist will come in and they'll uh, a wardrobe will come in and they'll start measuring you up and you'll get in the wardrobe first and then your makeup artist will come in and they'll do your makeup for set and then your hairstyles will come in and the hairstyles will come in and do your hair for set and then one final guy will come in and they'll do like a, a double triple check on you to make sure your wardrobe your makeup and your hair is all set and perfected and you also have a team of like you have, you have your own wardrobe, makeup, or you have, like, you have your own people. Like every last actor on the set has their own team that they that focuses on them, which is kind of dope. And like I said, this is what makes you feel famous. It makes right. you feel like you're Rihanna for the moment <laughs> that you're at this. <laughs> you know, you're getting makeup done. You're a grown man getting makeup done. You're feeling butterflies in your stomach. Like, yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty now. So, and you got like, uh, when you, you have a personal assistant, your personal assistant gets you anything you want. <laughs> Like I mean, like one time, I mean, I just tested it out. Like I, I, uh, I wanted a a frappe from McDonald's, so I really just hollered out. About, like I opened up my dressing room door and hollered out to my assistant for a, a frappe from McDonald's with extra whipped cream and extra chocolate drizzle, and boom, you know, twenty five minutes later, they brought a, you know, a, a damn frappe straight to the dressing room. Just as I asked for it, and like I said, those moments are like, yo, this is a famous moment. This was a famous uh-huh. situation. This is what famous people do. But for me, the fame ends after I leave Television City. Like, and so <laughs> as soon as I'm offset and I'm 
back out into the real world, like no one really recognizes or knows who I am that much. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So it's just a it's a reality check immediately when you when you're leaving and you know you get back home or whatever, and yeah, no one no one cares. You know, so because you gotta think, man, you're in Hollywood. Every, there's a lot of people in Hollywood, a lot of famous people in Hollywood. So until you reach a true, and you'll know it when you reach a true level of fame, you know. But until then. Stay humble, and even when you do reach that level, a level of fame, still stay humble. Because somebody always more famous than you. Jay Z is still alive. Kevin Hart still exists. Right. So as far as that happened, Denzel is out here. So as far as acting, music, and comedy goes, you still got people that's going to be hilarious and more famous than you in those different categories. So, but and that and that's for the that's for an on set sitcom day or, or an on set movie day. You know, you got to get the famous treatment, make the hair, the makeup, the lunch is in there, and we go on break. And it's dope. You got a personal assistant, all that stuff is dope. On a regular day where I'm not doing television work, um, I wake up, go to the gym, and I start shooting comedy sketches. Like we have a comedy sketch team um, here, and I, I typically work with a lot of different other influencers um, off of social media who are big or bigger than me. And we shoot content. And sketch comedy is something that we do on a daily basis, like it's a job, like it's mm-hmm. a nine to five. Mm-hmm. You got to be consistent if you want to if you want to maintain your following. Yeah. In the digital era, you got to you have to consistently put out content. You know, because your fan base wants to see you every day. They want to know what's going on with you every single day. So um, I usually shoot content from typically nine o'clock in the morning to about three o'clock in the afternoon. After that, um, I get to writing. Um, I, I write. I'm working on. I work. I write um, movie scripts, screenplays, sketch comedy, um, and then I, I go over different scenarios or different, um, you know, different topics that I can use to write sketch comedy. So I have like a writing block that I use after I'm done. Uh, after I'm done filming, I have like a writing block where I sit down at my computer and I'm just trying to write as much as possible while I work on a new sketch or a new script, you know, that I can use to, you know, to film. Um, after that. I typically go to the open mic um, and just practice material, you know, just trying to get better at stand up. And if I don't, if I'm not doing an open mic, typically I'm booked for a comedy show, so I'll go out and I do, you know, a comedy show. Mm-hmm. And you come home and you uh, go over your set and you go over the video, you go over the footage, like a basketball game, mm-hmm. and then you smoke a blunt and you go to sleep <laughs> and wake up the next day <laughs> and you do it all over again. And then let me might add, there's a lot, more, a lot of blunts in between. <laughs> Okay. There's a lot of weed in there, so <laughs> yeah, that's that's a typical day. I work on music as well, so you know, when it comes to filming sketches, and when I film sketches, I like to go to the studio and write and record music. And we do comedy, we do like comedy rap videos, um, you know, anything that we can do do to entertain. You know, we're we're out here trying to do. And it's it's the, it's the Hollywood hustle. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's everything that you're doing to to keep yourself. Uh, pushing, pushing, and moving forward because there's always uh, influencer or an actor or a comedian who's trying to outwork you or who's younger than you or has more time than you, you know, in this world. And you know, you gotta, you gotta push yourself and you gotta be out here working as hard as possible so you can get where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel pressure in regard to that? I mean, it's obviously it's a pretty fun existence creating all the time, but do you ever feel that pressure, like? Because there are, you are in a hive of people who are doing the same thing that are all trying to grab for that same ring. There's a, there's a lot of pressure, um, but you just can't really get to, you know, there's pressure wherever you go, you know, and, and anything that you do where you want to be great or you want to be the greatest, there's always going to be pressure mm-hmm. on you. It's just kind of how you handle it. Right. You know, uh, I think 
pressure kind of makes you better. It pressure makes you it makes you competitive. You know, mm-hmm. the pressure makes you want to it makes you want to do what you're doing. Yeah. You know, if 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 that one's putting pressure on you, then you're not doing it well enough. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not in a situation where you feel under pressure, then you know you're not going to ever become that diamond. <laughs> you know, right, right, you got to put yeah. yourself in situations where you can fail, but you don't because mm-hmm. you know you knew how to handle pressure at that moment. Um, you know, here in Hollywood, there's there's so many more people that are trying to do what you do and like are more famous, more successful than you are. So that type of pressure when I am around these people, it just makes you want to do better. And if I don't do well, you know, even that is, I take it positive because you learn from the mistakes that you make when you are under pressure and you don't, it doesn't have the same outcome that you wanted it, you know, to be. So, you know, I love pressure, you know, pressure lets me know that I'm in, that I'm in the right field. The nerves make me know that I'm in the right place. Cause if you're not under pressure, if you're not nervous, then it's too easy. How do you, Sorry, I was going to say, like, as you're talking to me about that, it you know, stand-up is constant pressure. You're going up there, it's you and a mic, and you're live, and there's live audience, and it's total unpredictability. You don't know what's going to happen. You know what you're going to say, sort of, because you might riff and you might go off. But it's putting you in, I think, one of the biggest pressure situations in entertainment. Because you look at everything else and so many other entertainment options, even if they're live, are scripted out. I mean, even concerts, they have a set list. They know what they're going to do. You know, somebody are, are, you know, same thing with live theater, things like that. Um, any live performance has that element of danger that things could go off the rails. And with stand-up, given the fact that you're the only one on stage, that danger is heightened because you're the only one who can deal with it if it arises. How do you think that 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 the years of stand up and the years of dealing with that constant pressure from an entertainment standpoint have trained your brain, have made you calmer under pressure situations, and have helped you in regard to life in LA? And that's exactly um, that's exactly right. It's just the, the the time that you put in and the consistency you put in of being on stage so many times, mm-hmm. where the pressure you, you feel pressure up until the point where you're on the stage. You know, once you grab the microphone and you start talking and that first joke hits, you know. We have actually, this call just dropped. So we're going to try and call kill here again. So this is what it's like doing a live podcast. Hello. Hello? Hey, hey, what's up? Your call dropped. (laughs) Oh, no. God, I'm here talking to nobody. Oh, no worries, no worries. Yeah, I just, uh, I was just, you know, I had to improv there, Kill. <laughs> That's what happens with the live podcast is, you know, I don't, like I said to you, I, I don't edit the, or cut any of this because I love the raw quality of it. Oh. Yeah, exactly. And Call so, drop, people. It happens to the best of us, it's all right? That's right. There you go. <laughs> so, but, uh, about pressure, though. Mm-hmm. Or, is that where we're at? Yeah, yeah. You were talking to me about... I, I asked you about how stand-up has kind of um, you know helped train you, helped train you mentally uh, to deal with that constant pressure since I feel stand-up is um, maybe the, the hardest or the most pressure-fraught element of uh, any, um, any entertainment situation, any performing situation. 
and, it, and that's what it is, man, is, is being on stage so many times and being on stage so consistently that you don't really feel the pressure once you grab the microphone. Mm-hmm. I believe all the pressure, all the nerves are always before you go on stage. When you're in the dressing room, when you're in the green room, when you're hanging out with other comedians, when you see other comedians go on stage and kill, and you're like, man, I need to make sure I, I can kill on this level, you know, and you, you want to make sure that you keep that same funny and you don't want you don't want to be the guy that goes on stage and doesn't do well when everyone else has you know so that all those thoughts are they're going to go through your head it, it, it just it's just it's a part of the game but you know you've been on stage so many times and you you've heard the laughter so many times you've heard the applause so many times like a drug so when you get on stage there's no pressure you're looking forward to you know to what's going to happen after those jokes are said and you've said these jokes so many times and that you know they're funny and even the jokes you haven't said that you know are funny or that you don't know are funny you know that you're funny you know you know as a comedian you are a funny person you know what you say people typically react by laughing at it so you you have so much confidence in yourself that you're not really worried more or so about what the crowd is going to say anymore because you know who you are and you're comfortable with yourself and i think that's one of the main things about comedy is that you have to be comfortable with yourself you have to be confident in what you're saying and that's what because the audience feeds off of that you know if you're uncomfortable on stage or if you show the crowd you're sweating they can see it and they and they feed negatively off of that mm-hmm. but when you're comfortable on stage and you're saying things with confidence no matter what you're saying it in a way that makes the crowd react like okay well what he's saying is he stands behind it and they're going to react however they're going to react to it but once you get to that level of, of confidence and comfortability on stage, once you get on there, once you get on the stage, no pressure. All that pressure leaves you once you grab that microphone. Mm-hmm. So what do you what, – what are some of your biggest goals? What do you look at as like, man, that's something I'd really love to accomplish in the future? Um, I, I was definitely focusing on the hour comedy special. I think that's something that kind of solidifies you as a comedian. Or uh, you know a big name comedian, it's something that it's that it's like going to the NBA. Mm-hmm. Is doing that that hour comedy special. Um, you know, a, a lot of the things that I'm working on right now are some of the short term goals. You know, being able to get on TV and get recognized. But I, I do want to write and direct my own movie, um, kind of like a the whole Jordan Peele experience. Um, if you're if you're if you're familiar with Donald Glover, yeah, the sure. way he was able to transition from being a writer and a stand up comedian and do music as well, mm-hmm. that's kind of like my whole entire path. I kind I kind of I'm kind of trying to copy Donald Glover's approach, right? Um, with being able to be a writer, being able to do a comedy, and be able to do music as well, because I, I'm very passionate about everything to do entertainment, from music to acting to stand up. I'm very very passionate about being an entertainer. Um, so as long as I'm in that realm or as long as I'm doing one of those three things, you know, I'm going to be a happy camper, you know, but for my goals, I definitely want to direct and write my own movie. I definitely want to be able to get into music and be able to release some projects that people can enjoy, um, you know, on a, you know, on a, on a, on a music scale. I I definitely want to be recognized for that, um, within the next year if I can. And, uh, stand up comedy special that has to happen. You know, that's a that's a, a big goal for mine. I want to drop um, five stand up comedy specials within the next seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and be able to get a lot of you know this out. The, a lot of the experiences that I've had and, and the experiences that I will have, I want to I want to get them out. Right. And let the people know what's going on. Sounds cool. Anything else that you'd like to talk about that we have not talked about? Tacos. We didn't talk about tacos <laughs> at all. 
Well, what about tacos, Kill? Tell me. There's lots of good taco places here in the Quad Cities, man. There really are. There's a ton of great. Oh, there are a ton of awesome taco places. Yeah, um, La Rancheria is fantastic. Nolly's is fantastic. Um, there are lots of great Mexican restaurants here in the Quad Cities. I'm not even kidding you. There, there are a ton of them. Well, I'm going to need to check those tacos places out when I get up there. We've got a. We've got a list on quadcities.com. You can go and check out. It's got a bunch of Mexican restaurants. Personally, I would recommend La Rancherita. Nolly's is also fantastic, too. Nolly's has empanadas, too, and those are great. But there's, I mean, there's a lot of great. And I'm going to go with your suggestions. Okay, thank you, Kill. <laughs> I trust you. Okay. I'm a family now. I have this conversation. Yeah. Hey, you can come back to me and say. Hey, Sean, I trusted you, and you can either say, like, yeah, you, d- you did me right, or, like, man, you really, like, you know, led me down the wrong path. So please come back and let me know what your review of the Quad Cities taco scene is. Of course. This is for family. It's only right that I'm honest with you. Yes, so I'm going to be do. so very, very honest with you, of course. Yeah. <laughs> please be, yes. No, man. <laughs> I love it, though, man. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to coming back to the Quad Cities. I'm looking forward to coming back to the Circus Speak Easy, where, you know, mm-hmm. the beginning of this comedy career started. Man, it's going to be everybody come out and enjoy it. You got a lot of great comics outside of myself that are going to be performing there. It's going to be hosted by Joshua Khan, you know, living legend. It's going to be a, it's going to be a dope event. Awesome. Cool. That's Thursday night at the Circuit 21 Speakeasy, downtown Rock Island, 1828 3rd Street, downtown. 6.30 for the doors, 7 o'clock for the show. Tickets are 10 bucks. You can get them at, I think it's Circuit21Speakeasy.com or 786-7733, extension 2. This Thursday, people, go and check it out. Lots of great comedy. Kill, thank you so much. Kill Theodric, my guest today on QC Uncut. Thanks a lot for taking time out of your very busy schedule. And, you know, I, I, I didn't want to, you know, Make sure that I cut into your time for, with your McDonald's frappes or anything. So, no, it's okay, man. <laughs> I got the frappe already. I ordered it this morning, so we're good. Okay, everything is solid. <laughs> <laughs> that story. I love that story where you like. I just want to test them and see, like you know. And you say you have like with extra whipped cream and extra chocolate. Yes. Yes. <laughs> gotta test out the star power while you got it because it doesn't stay with you when you leave (laughs) (laughs) but you don't you don't have random people in your apartment like going to get your frappies or anything no no just the average joe of the apartment sucks apartment sucks dude no one knows me well cool thanks a lot for your time i really appreciate it hey thank you so much my friend i'll see you guys this thursday awesome take care buddy you too okay bye-bye and thank you once again, Kilty Odrick, um, for being our guest today on QC Uncut. Uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation with local newsmakers. He got his one of his big starts, one of his big breaks here in the Quad Cities at the Circuit 21 Speakeasy and, um, about 10 years ago. And now he's coming back to play there. Um, this guy is on the cusp of being huge. Uh, got a lot of deals with Netflix, Hulu. Um, so now is your chance to come and see him in this intimate situation at the Speakeasy. Only 100, 125 people in there in downtown Rock Island. Definitely pack the place up. 6.30 doors, 7 show. This Thursday, tickets are only 10 bucks. Go and get them, 786-7733, extension 2. Thanks a lot for listening to QC Uncut. I'm your host, Sean Leary. Have a great day.